It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 Part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the latest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. This is our rapid reaction for week number four as the Giants outlasted the Saints 27-21 in overtime thanks to Saquon Barkley's six-yard rushing touchdown. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegels, Paul Dettino with you and... This was a game, guys, where it did not look good when the Giants were down by 11 in the fourth quarter, but the defense regrouped, got the stops necessary to give the ball back to the offense, and the offense was able to get the game-tying field goal and then ultimately won the coin toss in overtime. So, Jeff, sometimes these wins, they don't have to be pretty. You don't get brownie points, but this was really a gutsy win for the Giants to get their first win in hostile territory and find a way to rally. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, it, it wasn't pretty. Um, and the Giants, uh, I think that they didn't play well in certain facets of the game, especially the defense. And we talk a lot about tackling and, you know, and things like that where fundamentals and technique come into effect. And, you know, that kind of went out the door. But, you know, this is a team that went on the road and was going to face a, a huge distraction and the Superdome. And they went in there and they kind of just grinded it out at the end. And uh, they fought and threw it and, you know, they came out with a win. Now, um, I'll tell you, it's just it goes to show you that this team has been in every game, and they they came out with a win on the road, and it was going to be a tough one. But um, like I said before, you know, sometimes just going on the road and no distractions can can help you um, as a team, and it certainly did today. I think the play of Daniel Jones continues to get better, and the health of Saquon is getting better, and that showed up in the game today. You had a lot of new guys in the lineups. Kadarius Tony is now. Uh, has been inserted into this offense in a way that we wanted to see him produce, and that's exactly why they drafted him. It's exactly why they went out and got Kenny Galladay in free agency to be able to make some big plays and physical, physical plays, which we like to see out of a wide receiver position. And I think you can't give enough uh, um, compliments to that offensive line. They've been through a lot of trials and tribulations and you know a lot of inconsistencies here and there, but I think they really – put their nose at a grindstone today and cut down on their penalties and really went up against a good defense. So collectively, hey, a win's a win. They went on the road and got one, and now they got to come back. they got a division game coming up, so congratulations to them. Absolutely. Paul, I want to start with where this game really started to turn because Jeff brought up the offensive side of the ball. This was an 11-point lead for the Saints. The Giants got the ball back with just under seven minutes to go. They already earlier in the game had a 52-yard touchdown pass between Daniel Jones and John Ross. And then all of a sudden, Jones hits Saquon Barkley, short catch and run. He takes it 54 yards to the house. They get the two-point conversion. And we got a ball game as they pull within three points after trailing by double digits for the bulk of the second half. Well, big defensive stop because after the Giants get that touchdown from Barkley, uh, they're able to hold the uh, the Saints as they drive near midfield on a big quarterback pressure on a second and 14 following a delay of game penalty as Leonard Williams comes through and forces a throwaway. And then on third and 14, Sean Payton just said, ah, forget about it. We'll just throw a little dump off and punt the ball. Well, that turned out to be a big mistake because the Giants go 11 plays, 59 yards. Graham Gano hits a 48-yard field goal to send the game to overtime with 31 seconds left. Jeff, I want to get your take, though, on Daniel Jones's progress. <laughs> Mm-hmm. His numbers in the fourth quarter in overtime were a combined 14 of 19 for 203 yards. In overtime, he was 5 of 5 for 67 yards. I mean, you know what Ernie Acorsi always used to say? Give me a guy who needs to score in the final two minutes of a game. Can he take me the length of the field? 
Mm-hmm. That's how I'll know if I've got my franchise guy. Well, Daniel Jones, man, he's growing into that. He certainly showed it today. Yeah, I agree. And, and listen, there's no substitute for experience, Paul. You know that. And that's what that's what these guys get. And and this is a hard enough game to play at this level at any position. Um, and the quarterback position is even harder. And so I think there's always a maturity that goes into it. You look at the quarterbacks in the National Football League, the rookies today, um, going into last game, there was only been there was only one t- one quarterback that won a game in the first three weeks of the NFL season, and that was uh, Jones, Jones up in New England. Yeah. So it just goes to show you that how the process it takes a while, and then when you put behind an offensive line that's in flux back and forth here and there, when you take out your best cor- your best player on offense, Saquon Barkley last season, you know. So these are things that Daniel Jones has learned over time, and I think that. You know, players as a whole, some of the things that that you do in the off season, or even while you're going through in the season, you take these in quarters. You you got to set goals for yourself, and I think that going into last season, one of the goals for Daniel Jones was to eliminate his turnovers. Well, he didn't do that very well the first half of the season. The second half of the season, and up to this point of the first quarter of the season, well, 17 games, but we'll call it the first quarter. Uh, he's been exceptionally well. Uh, take the interception today, the throwaway at the end of the half. We don't really count that. But, you know, he's doing a heck of a job protecting the football. And with that grows confidence, Paul. And so him having the ball in his hands is what he wants. But what helps a quarterback in that situation is playmakers. And you've got them. You've got a Katarius Tony, You've got a Saquon Barkley, Galladay. You, the list goes on and on. And that's how quarterbacks can become good and that you have confidence in them to put you in a position to win the game, and that's what Daniel Jones did today. Well, those individuals going above the X's and O's certainly helps the quarterback, which is, Jeff, what I think you're hitting on, because I want to focus on Kenny Galladay. Paul was talking about the defensive stop that then helped the Giants get set up at their own 11-yard line where they went 11 plays, 59 yards for the game-tying field goal. Third and seven from their own 38-yard line. Daniel Jones to Kenny Galladay over the middle, breaks two tackles, winds up picking up 28 yards. Not only Correct. Yeah. Not only do they get the first down, Jeff, but they get in field goal range, and there's under a minute to go in the game at this point. Those are the types of plays that were lacking down the stretch in crunch time in the first three weeks of the season. Yep, and, you know, what, so what? how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I, I think that, you know, the opportunity to get the ball on a on a good drop and throw is one thing. Number two, the Giants, let's call it, the Giants have dropped a lot of balls this season. So concentration and focus. And then the other thing is is that we know that Kenny Galladay can make big plays in this league. We've seen him do it against when he's won the Detroit Lions. He's got that big play ability. That's what that attracted the Giants to bring him here. And so even though he, we know that he can go up and fight for footballs, well, you know what? He can fight for yards too. And I think that means a lot to your quarterback when I know that I'm third and eight and I throw you a third, you know, a six yard in that you're going to get that, that extra, excuse me, to get that first down. And he got even more, which now puts him in a position to, to tie the football game. And that goes, that's, I mean, not only is that relationship between the quarterback and the wide receiver important, that relationship is seen throughout the locker room. They see guys making plays like that. That just exudes confidence, and confidence is what helps you win these games. Jeff, I want to ask you about some of the offensive acquisitions who all stepped up today across the board, and it's not just the headliners who got into the end zone. Sure, I think sure. John Ross, 
John Ross signed by Dave Gettleman, 52-yard touchdown catch today. Kadarius Toney, drafted in the first round by Gettleman, six catches, uh, had seven touches, five of them went for first downs. You mentioned Dave Gettleman signs Galladay, has a huge game today. Gettleman signed Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph recovers the Saquon Barkley fumble at the Saints' 35-yard line in overtime. Boy, my goodness, it seems like every guy that Gettleman brought in during this offseason on offense had a significant (laughs) contribution today. Yeah, and every one of those names that you just mentioned had injuries. <laughs> so oh, it's and, like, and, yeah. and, and and that's you know that's kind of mentioned Matt Matt Skura, who wound up yeah. be starting at left guard today, and Billy Price, who wound up starting at center. Yeah, and by the way, those two guys, um, really nobody else wanted them. So I mean, you know, you're able to go out and 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 kudos to the scouting department for doing their homework on these guys, and kudos to those two individuals, especially Skura, coming in here and playing, and Billy doing the same thing the last few weeks. But you know, as far as Dave Gettleman goes, when when you are in the off season, and when he said to us um, that the Giants need playmakers, well, he went out and got them. And so then the guys get hurt, and that kind of sets you back a little bit. So you're, now you're just kind of counting the days between all these guys getting healthy and hoping that they can get all on the field at the same time, um, which you're getting close. And then what happens? Your two starters go out. <laughs> you got Shepard and you got Slayton that go out of the lineup. So now you're going, oh, my goodness, you got to be kidding me. But then we have this next man up mentality that the Giants took on today, and they produce. So I think this is kind of what the vision of the scouting department and Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge and that staff said, hey, listen, these are the guys we want to get. Let's go get them. One day we're going to have them all together. And you and I go, you guys, we talk about this all the time in the offseason on paper. Look at the weapons the Giants team has on paper. Good God, it's like it's like a fantasy football team, you know. So it's just a matter of them all getting healthy and getting on the field together. Um, as soon as that all happens, you know, listen, there's going to be the guys fighting for, for jobs here because you look at the way those two guys played today and Galladay and Kadarius Toney. Now you got Darius Slayton and uh, Sterling Shepard going to be back in the lineup soon, and these guys are going to have to start fighting for some reps which is a good thing. Of course, because competition breeds Depth. excellence when it's That's all right. said and done. And I think you bring up a great point, Jeff, in terms of what I think a lot of people forget. You know, Galladay was banged up during training camp. Kadarius Tony was banged up. He also had to deal with COVID. John Ross was on IR. You just you didn't have a lot of these guys on the field simultaneously. Rudolph had surgery. Correct. Rudolph's I mean, another guy, Saquon, working his way back. Yeah. So you, know, you figure, okay, now that you're four games into the season, maybe they're beyond just scratching the surface, and we're going to start seeing these guys on the field consistently and producing. It's a shame, to your point, that Slayton and Shepard now are sidelined with a hamstring injury because it's still a bit of piecemeal, but it did at least afford the opportunity for Tony to increase his snap and Tony to get more and more comfortable with Daniel Jones and that trust factor to be Mm -hmm. built because this is what you were hitting on. If Jones can feel good on a third and 18 to get the ball into Tony's hands out in open space and say, hey, Tony could at least give us a chance to not just give our punter more room, right, to turn the field positioning, but also maybe actually move the chains, you know, that takes this offense to a new level. Well, and I'm sure we've all seen it enough. Third and 18, what's coming? 
it, it's a draw. Oh, sure. You're gonna, yeah. You're going to get the draw. because or you, short you dump off or, or something Or just like something because yeah. you don't have the playmaking ability out of a player on the field to be able to throw the ball to him and think that maybe it, kind, it might happen. But like you said, if it doesn't, at least maybe it gets 10, 11, gets me a little more yards for the punter. That's one less first down that the other team has to get. So I think that that's all important. Um, the other thing when the other guys come back is now you have depth at that position, something that you really need because – Runners are guys that they're they're not durable. They're they're running for a living and they get hurt and they get banged up. And by the way, even if they don't get hurt in the game, they need a rest because they're running all the time. So depth is a good thing, and you can only have so many of them on game day for you. So when they're all active and all healthy, that's a good thing. Now defensively, I think that you know there's some things that have to be buttoned up uh, on that side of the football because coming into the season, this is something that we didn't worry about. We had we were saying the defense is going to be fine. We got to figure out the offense. Well, uh, it's kind of switched its its gears a little bit, and now we got the yeah. Giants got to figure out how to stop the run. That's the biggest thing. They've got the back end of their defense with good players. Uh, losing Blake Martinez is a huge, huge thing. Um, that's, uh, people, you know, it's one of those cliches. You don't know how good it is until it's gone. Well, that's Blake Martinez. You don't know how good that guy is until he's out of the lineup for two weeks. And then you realize that these teams are running on you. Um, you know, Reggie Raglan and by, by the way, Crowder is a little bit hurt too. So you got some issues at that middle linebacker position. The pass rush did not really get home today. And I, and I think that's in addition to the run yeah. defense, yeah. which did not really do a great job. I mean, it was a lot of bend, but don't break. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Jeff, yeah. I, I'm, looking, I'm looking here and I'm seeing, well, not only did the Giants not have a sack, they didn't have a quarterback hit tonight. That, that's insane. You know, in the National Football League in today's world, you, you should be able to get some hits on the quarterback. Um, you look at last week's game against Atlanta against a guy like Matt Ryan who basically will sit there in the pocket as long as you can. You know, didn't do a good job at him either. So this two weeks in a row that this pass rush and pressure, you got to get pressure. Next, this week against Dallas, um, you know, Dak Prescott will sit there um, and pick you apart with those weapons they have on offense outside. They got some really good, skilled wide receivers. You got to be careful. You need to get hits on the quarterback. Yeah, especially since he had a game already where he attempted 58 passes against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if the quarterback throws the ball 58 times, you better He's not get, getting any pressure. Yes, uh, on him or two. And Jameis didn't have a high volume of throws, but as Paul mentioned, given the fact that they didn't get any quarterback hits and they didn't sack him, he at least felt comfortable enough that he could take some shots down the field, which was really lacking from this offense, at least in the first three contests. But I think the more disturbing element, not to say that, Jeff, they shouldn't be able to get after the quarterback. I mean, that's a must. But I think if you can't stop the run, it doesn't matter what you're doing to the quarterback because then the opposing team is going to face many more manageable third downs. And Mm -hmm. this is where the missed tackling was probably the biggest offense when you look back at this game. 100%. Right early in the game, Taysom Hill's touchdown. At least five or six guys had an opportunity to bring him down. On the previous play, Chris Hogan, he gains extra yardage off a short reception. If they go back and they look at all of the opportunities, they're going to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game of what we could have limited New Orleans to, but what they ultimately were able to reap the rewards of because of those extra hustle type of plays. Yeah, and you know, Paul and Lance, we, we talk about the running game enough that you understand that it's time of possession, and that's where if you are able to run the football and be able to take time off that clock, that eliminates your the, your opponent from getting on the field. Um, it also gives your defense rest, which is much needed. 
um, because this is a fast game and a very physical game. And the longer you can get a little bit of a breather on the sideline, the better off you are. So if you're not, you know, getting positive plays on first and second down in your run game, um, forcing your long thirds down and only converting three of 13, three of 11, whatever it is, uh, that's a long day for your defense. And eventually, and I actually think in today's game, I believe that the Giants were in better condition than the Saints. I think the Saints ran out of gas at the end of that overtime. I, or not the end of the, in the overtime. I think that, that drive, that 75-yard drive by the Giants, I think took that, I mean, that was a lot out of that, that Saints defense. And by the way, the Giants were, you know, they came back 11 unanswered points. That defense was on the field a long time. I think they ran out a little bit of gas. Well, so. Jeff, I think that's a great point because if you look at the final box score, you're going to see how lopsided it was, right, time of possession. In sure, favor by of 10 Saints. minutes. Okay, yeah. but if you then go to where this game started to turn, which is right around when Saquon had the big catch and run for 54 yards, the Saints had a three and out right before that, so they were on the field. I'm talking about their offense for 223, and then they ran a seven-play drive for 351, and then they had the two plays that ended the half, whereas the Giants, you know, they had put together an 11-play drive for 230, and then in overtime, they milked nearly five minutes off the clock we're talking about. So the Giants' offense was actually on the field more so than the Saints. Mm -hmm. If you go from about maybe the seven minute mark of the fourth quarter all the way to the end of overtime when Saquon Barkley scored the touchdown. And that's when conditioning comes in, you know, I mean, yeah. and that it's 80 degrees in that dome. Um, so it's uh, or 75, whatever it is. But the fact is, is that, you know, that's, that's a long, it's a long game and conditioning helps. And uh, we hear about how Joe judge and his conditioning, he defended his conditioning all week in his press conference and things like that and how he does things. And, um, you know, it worked. It worked today because there's you. If you're in shape, you can handle it. Okay, and and I think that all the guys are in shape. Trust me. But I think that sometimes you you get worn down. And um, the Giants made it made it happen. And they went down on the drive they had to have. And I, I just can't I can't overemphasize the the notion that how when you win a game on the road, folks, it it is such a big confidence builder. Yeah, winning at home is great. Right. Because you're supposed to win at home. When you go on the road, the formula is win half the games on the road, win all the games at home. Right. That's kind of the that's what you want to do. So they're already telling you that going on the road is not going to be easy. And so I just think winning a game against the Saints uh, with Camara and that defense that we talked about all week. This is a big win for the Giants and could be a nice nice uh, stepping stone for them moving forward. You know what's interesting, Jeff, mm -hmm. and maybe maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't, and that's okay too, but what we've talked about the last two weeks mm -hmm. was a combination of sloppy plays that the Giants needed to make that they didn't in combination with costly penalties. Well, today they had some sloppy plays that they absolutely needed to make and did not make. But because they did not have that slew of penalties, they got rid of half of their faux pas, only yeah. three flags for 25 yards. Yeah. See, when you get rid of one of the two evils and they basically got rid of the penalties, it shows that you can enhance your chances to win. If you have the combination of penalties with mistaken plays, that's you don't just going to be chance. too much. You don't have a chance to win that way. And, and by the way, you know, the, um, there's momentum. And there's psychological things that happen to you when you're penalized and you're moving backwards. And, and Lance brings it up all the time about negative plays. And just, you know, even a negative three-yard play on a first down puts you in second and 13. I, I, you know, it's just 
think about that. You see second and 13 as a football fan, you're like, oh, no, second and 13. You know, if I see second and seven, I'm thinking, okay, second and seven, I, I, got, you know, I got the whole left side of my play call card here that I can run. Second and 13 kind of just closes the gap a little bit. I, now I got a little quarter section here. And then, by the way, third and 13, because I didn't make the second and 13, I'm thinking we're punting or we're going to get the ball to Kadarius Tony like we talked about, and maybe he can get us a first down. Maybe not, but the fact is, is that negative play, and like you say, Lance, sometimes it's because of the penalty. It's an offsides on first down. Now you're first and 15. It's a holding on first, team, first down, first and 20. First and 20 is a death sentence. I mean, that is the worst first and 20. You know, so uh, those are the type of things the Giants overcame today. The penalties and the negative plays helped them win this game today. Well, right, speaking Paul. of overcoming penalties, what's interesting, and I think Paul's point is well taken, because when you have 19 penalties over the previous two games to get only three, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. That's but a big one. Interestingly, guys, they actually had an illegal substitution penalty, if you recall, right? Yeah, Called on Colin a, Johnson yep, because yep. he didn't go within the numbers. He basically stayed on the outside. So that was second and nine from the New Orleans 47. This is in overtime. That made it second and 14, and mm -hmm. it backed them up in their own territory. Now, I'm sure a lot of people watching this game, myself included, were saying, here we go again, right? You're in Saints territory. You're at least knocking on the door of field goal range, and you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. They actually found a way to overcome that because Barkley turned a short pass into an 18-yard gain, and just like that, they got a fresh set of downs. First yep. three games, guys, they were not doing that to put the penalty aside. The penalty overshadowed anything 100%. else, right, Jeff, that came previously 100%. on a drive. And, and we talk about the big plays, right? That's a big play. That's a that's a, a guy making a big play above the X's and O's. Huge. I know we get tired of staying that stuff, but the fact of the matter, it, it was. It was. It was a huge play because, you know, a penalty sets you back. And, you know, these are penalties that I could see Joe Judge on the or on the broadcast. I could he was mad. I could tell he was he was saying a lot of stuff in that microphone, you know, the headset. You know, like I can't believe this. Like, how do we not? How does this happen? He had to cover up the mic, by exactly. the way. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, and so it, it is, and, and it's just one of those things where you you think that these guys do it so much, but you know, it's one of those those things where you just you're not thinking. And we talked about penalties and how they cost you games all the time. And I, I had mentioned in our pregame show today that. Listen, you know, these guys have to take some accountability. The coaches can teach you all you want and do fundamentals and all that kind of stuff, but it comes down to your discipline on the field and understanding how this can cost you a game. And, you know, that situation right there that you just brought up, Lance, could easily cost you. It, they, they may not have made that big play with Saquon, and they haven't done that previously. Sure. And that then now turns into a punt, and you give the ball back to the Saints, and who knows what happens. Well, so. and Jeff, on the very next play, by the way, Barkley fumbles and Kyle Rudolph recovers. <laughs> so, actually, it's really two plays that normally, based on the recent history, would not bounce in favor of the Giants that actually went in their favor for once. Yeah, and I mean, if if the Giants lose that fumble, that's that's just like that's like that offsides penalty uh, on Dexter um, in the Washington game. Killer. You just, I mean, you, you guys got you got guys just you know running out of the room and throwing their television through the window. <laughs> you know, I mean, those are, but that didn't happen today. This this team pulled one out. Uh, and and by the way, I, there's there's it is there's no better feeling when you go into an overtime game with the rules today. Um, and by the way, with the rules that used to be, it didn't matter. Any score that you win, the game before, you know, before they changed the rules. But to go down 75 yards 
on the road in the Superdome and score a touchdown and never give the ball back to your opponent in overtime, that is like a walk-off homer. That is one you get a pie in your face coming across home flight. That is what you – that's a baseball reference, by the way. So <laughs> I think that those are, those are the special things that you look back on that you never gave the chance for the, for the New Orleans Saints to even have a chance to win the game because they couldn't. And They're going to be down. eating some pie instead en route <laughs> back to New Jersey That's right. as yeah. a result, yes. Yeah. As the Giants avoid the negative plays and they somehow overcome an 11-point deficit in the fourth quarter to force overtime and win it on Saquon Barkley's six-yard rushing touchdown. So the Giants get their first win of the season as they'll look to build momentum next weekend in Dallas. Well, guys, always enjoy the conversation. I think the three of us have recapped enough between many different <laughs> venues over the course of this week four NFL Sunday. Yep. Well, it's always good talking to you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. That is the rapid reaction version of the Giants Huddle podcast. A reminder, you can check out the Giants Huddle podcast on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and all your favorite podcast platforms. For Jeff Eagles and Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you next time right here on the Giants Huddle podcast.